Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The investment outlook for 2017. Say goodbye to negative interest rates and hello to the yield curve. I'm joined by economics expert Stephanie Flanders and the FT's equities guru Jonathan Guthrie to discuss the year ahead for investors. And the vanishing £50 note. Is there really a conspiracy to do away with our largest banknote? Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's most popular weekly podcast. I'm Claire Barrett, FT Money Editor, and I'll be giving you this week's money news in downloadable form. For investors, 2016 has been a year beset by political shocks. A year ago, FT Money's panel of investment experts forecast that the Brexit vote and the arrival of President Trump would wreak havoc on world stock markets. They considered the likelihood of both events rather low at the time, but they've both happened, and what's more, stock markets are trading at near record highs. So what should investors do next? I'm joined in the FT studio by Stephanie Flanders, Chief Market Strategist for Europe at JP Morgan Asset Management, and Jonathan Guthrie, the new head of the FT's Lex column, who many of you will know as our long-serving Lombard columnist. Firstly, Stephanie, welcome to The Money Show. Good to be Give us your big picture economically for the year ahead. What's the wider backdrop for investors now that some of this political dust has settled? Well, you're right that we'll remember last year for those political upsets. But I think for investors in the US, but of course, there's a possibility that it could come with a pretty extreme further appreciation of the dollar, that we could also see some changes in in trade policy as Donald Trump comes under pressure on that front. So I'm a little bit nervous on the sort of medium term. Is it possible that the US is just going to be shortening its economic cycle and therefore increasing the chance of a recession for the rest of us, if not in 2017, then at least in 2018-19. I'll also obviously be looking at the, on the political front in the Eurozone, whether these elections coming up in Germany and France, particularly France, lead to a further round of soul searching and any form of, kind of existential questioning of the Eurozone. Yes, well, and certainly our discussions um, in FT Money this weekend about Brexit and about the health of emerging markets, you mentioned the strengthening dollar, make for very interesting reading. But finally, on interest rates, last week you were the only one of our panel of experts who thought that a UK interest rate rise was far from certain. Why do you think that? Well, I guess the other risk that we're looking at closer to home is the possibility that consumers really respond quite 
negatively to this squeeze in their real incomes that's coming down the track yet again because of higher inflation mm. due to the fall in the pound. We tend to think, or many people seem to act like there's been no impact of Brexit so far, only good impact. And but the, the reality is like... that right that fall <laughs> in the pound is going to affect the pound in people's pockets and their living standards over the next year or so. And we are very dependent on consumption. So, you know, the forecast, the rough forecast that markets have and that, you know, I would hope we'd see for a gradually improving global economy. I hope that UK growth is consistent with that. But of course, it is perfectly possible that at the middle of the year, you have quite a sharp slowdown on the consumer side. We have a lot of uncertainty still about the future trading relationship because of the Brexit negotiations. And certainly maybe a lack of potential for investment to fill the gap. We could then see the Bank of England considering further easing, let alone a rate rise. So I would not say a rate rise was set in stone at all. Well, very interesting thoughts there. But now turning to you, Jonathan Guthrie, you're used to being a contrarian voice, of course, when it comes to investment in your Lombard column. But while some of our other fund manager panellists were getting excited about the Trump pump, you were more sanguine. Why? Well, they always say that the markets can go on being wrong for longer than you can afford to bet against them. But I feel that there are some definite contradictions in the current political environment. If we believe that Mr Trump is there partly to try and reverse a level of income inequality in the US, then it's very hard to see how he's going to do that. It's quite easy for him to cut taxes. It's going to be a lot more difficult for him to repatriate manufacturing to the United States without quite a lot of pain for US consumers who are going to have to pay a lot more money for their washing machines and other uh, mechanical goods. And my feeling is that he may run out of road sooner rather than later. I also feel that with the Brexit vote, there's an implicit contradiction there too, because people who voted to come out will probably suffer rather acutely as a result of that decision. And then I think quite a lot of the optimism that we've seen around UK domestic stocks, which has been, and also the FTSE 100, will begin to evaporate. Interesting. Well, when it comes to UK stocks in particular, you weren't as keen on the banking sector as some others on the panel. Why? No. Well, it seems to me that one of the problems that you have had over the last few years since the crisis and that you will continue to have is the politicisation of businesses. And once a business is very exposed to political action or regulatory action, it becomes really quite hard to value it on a fundamental basis. Banks very much fit into that category because of the successive waves of regulation related to capital adequacy. And I can't see that changing very much. We've seen a bit of a rotation out of retail UK banks towards businesses that are more international, which have investment banking in them. But ultimately, it seems to me that although these are companies with very strong franchises, they're very, very exposed to factors which are hard for the market to call. And I see better opportunities elsewhere. Now, on that point, finally, the shares that you tipped for success in 2017 were, conversely, the companies that the Financial Times Companies section rarely writes about. Explain yourself, please. Well, the reason for that, as a veteran companies news journalist, the businesses that we like to write about tends to be one which are in trouble. Mm. Either they're having profits warnings or they have had some terrible bribery scandal, or the chief executive has left in disgrace. And there are some very big, rather solid state businesses like Compass, the catering group, and Relex, the data group, 
that we don't write about all that much because they never seem to have difficulties of that kind. Instead, they've got business models which are able to go on expanding rather steadily worldwide, sometimes through acquisition, and therefore have very, very good long-run stock performance. I think that they should be able to keep that up. And in a sense, what they tell us is that globalisation is not really quite as dead as some other pundits would say. Fantastic. Thanks very much there to Jonathan Guthrie, head of the FT's Lex Column, and Stephanie Flanders of JP Morgan Asset Management. You can read their full piece, Investing in 2017, online from this Friday at ft.com money or on Saturday as part of the FT Weekend newspaper. Now, when was the last time you held a £50 note in your hand? The Nifty 50 is a fast-disappearing fact of life in the UK. Cash points rarely stock them, bankers fear that they are fueling the black economy, and there are even fears that the Bank of England may be phasing them out altogether in the future. So, will anyone stand up for the good old bullseye? Step forward Michael Stott, executive editor of the FT and my former boss, who has been investigating the £50 note. Michael, welcome to The Money Show. Thank you, Claire. So you're a lover of the £50 note. You like earning them, you like spending them, but you've been finding that the high street banks don't share your love. Why is this? Well, it's extraordinarily difficult to get a £50 note from a cash dispenser, which is, of course, the main way that most of us get our notes. And I've been asking around the various banks and cash machine operators, and the only one who issues £50 notes in cash dispensers is Barclays, who Mm. have nine ATMs all in wealthier bits of London that give out 50s. There are no other UK banks I could find that would admit to giving out £50 notes. And why don't they want to do it? Well, they say it's customer demand. I'm a little doubtful of that because Barclays actually says customer demand points the other way. and Mm. Where people are given a choice, 15% like to have 50s. And when you think about it, it makes sense. If we go abroad, we go somewhere in Europe, it's very common to get a 50 euro note out of a cash dispenser. In the US, you can get $100 bills from cash dispensers. And even north of the border in Scotland, of course, there are £100 notes still in circulation and in Northern Ireland too. But in the UK, for some reason, we're made to feel that £50 notes are somehow criminal or illicit or that there's something desperately bad about them. I'd say, what's wrong with the 50? And what does the Bank of England have to say about it? Well, the Bank of England doesn't like talking on the record about the subject, (laughs) but uh, bank sources will have us understand that there are no plans to get rid of the £50 note. However, if you look at the bank's plans for banknotes in the future, what they want to do is switch us to polymer banknotes. Mm. We've we've got the plastic fiver already, and there are plans for a plastic tenner and a plastic £20 note by 2020, but rather ominously, no plans for a polymer 50 So why do you think that bankers don't like the £50 notes? Well, I think they've bought slightly into this idea that there's something illicit or bad about it, which is very strange, I say, when you consider the European context. I think the other reason is that banks are very keen to push us towards cashless transactions, towards card transactions. And of course, there's money to be made in card transactions. There are fees between the bank of the merchant and the bank of the purchaser. There are fees issued by card issuers, fees for operating card machines. There's a whole wave of fees there and some of that business is really quite profitable. Yes, well, I think you could be onto something here, Michael. I think the, the, the fees are possibly the reason why the £50 note is so unloved. Yeah, and of course the fees are a very difficult problem for smaller retailers because something I learnt in researching this uh, column is that 
the larger retailers are able to use their bargaining power with financial institutions to keep their costs down to perhaps as low as 0.2%, which is the regulatory cap on the fees between banks for debit card transactions. But the smaller retailers, of course, are not able to do that, and they can get clobbered with fees of that cumulatively can add up to 0.5% of the transaction, which is really quite a lot of money for a debit card transaction. Well, lots to think about. Thanks very much. That was Michael Stott, the FT's executive editor, and you can read his column on the demise of the £50 note now on ft.com slash money. We'd love to hear your views about the disappearing 50, the investment outlook for 2017, and money matters more generally. You can email us money at ft.com, tweet us at ftmoney, or comment on our articles online at ft.com slash money. The Money Show will be taking a short break on the Christmas holidays to go long on mince pies. Thank you for listening this year. We will be back on Thursday the 5th of January next year. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a happy and profitable New Year. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.